A viral moment occurred as Amy Coney Barrett is asked to show her notes during the hearing, and she shows an empty notepad. And Joe Biden says he's not a fan of packing the court. Is that as close of an answer as we're going to get? And some Georgia residents wait six hours on the first day of early voting. We've got that and much more coming up, and it starts right now. Welcome to the news and why it matters. I'm Hillary Kennedy. I am here still. I know you're still stuck with me. I'm filling in for Sarah Gonzalez while she's on maternity leave, but don't worry, she's going to be back fairly soon. Uh, and I'm here today with, of course, Mr. Glenn Beck, host of the Glenn Beck Thank Program. You. Thanks for being here. And then Jeremy Dice, who I just met today, the special counsel for First Liberty Institute and host of First Liberty Briefing. Thank you for Thanks being for here. having me. Good to be back. All right, so we've got to talk more about Amy Coney Barrett. I know we talked about her yesterday, but all week long, there's mm -hmm. going to be new developments. And one today went viral, like I mentioned in the intro. Uh, she held up a blank notepad when Senator John Cornyn asked her to show the public the notes that she'd been using to answer all the questions she'd been asked. And here's the clip of how she responded. Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning, Senator Cornyn. <laughs> you know, most of us have multiple notebooks and notes and books and things like that in front of us. Can you hold up what you've been referring to and answering our questions? Is there anything on it? Uh, that letterhead that says United States Senate. That's, imp that's impressive. Boy, that is impressive. What did you guys think? I think she is impressive. I, you know, I, I hate to say this because... We're always disappointed, and somehow or another, the left never is. They're always like, oh my gosh, they're, they're full-fledged communists. And you were like, what happened? Um, uh, but she, in watching her and listening to her, I have the same feeling I had with Bork and uh, also with uh, Clarence Thomas. <clears throat> she seems really, really solid. She doesn't... Uh, she doesn't seem like she's packaged or packaging anything. She seems like she's just open book and here's what I believe. And if that's who she really is uh, and she stays that way, um, we have a we have a possible replacement for Scalia. Look, I think so, too. And you've got I think that blank notepad says everything you need to know about how this hearing is going with a blank piece of paper and a pen. This this mom from Indiana is owning the entire dais. I mean, there, mm -hmm. she is showing an absolute mastery of the subject. She doesn't have to have a note because she knows everything that she would have written down anyway. And she knows it backwards, forwards and in between. Did you see the uh, video or the uh, the documentary on Clarence Thomas? Either yeah. of you guys see that? Yeah. Remember the time when Joe Biden is questioning him and he's saying, you know, and I know natural law. And he goes into this complex, convoluted thing about natural law. And Clarence Thomas in today says, I had no idea what he was talking about. <laughs> and you see Clarence Thomas sitting there just watching Joe Biden question him at the hearing. And he's just looking at him. And Clarence Thomas says the hardest thing in those confirmation hearings is sitting there looking at someone and having to listen to them when you have absolutely you know for sure they have absolutely no idea what they're even talking, talking about. about yeah judge barrett had it a little easier yesterday when she was able to wear the mask and was able to kind of hide behind that if she yes. had right but today she's uh she's not being given the opportunity to speak as much today because i think every time she opens her mouth the left gets a little bit more sad right because she absolutely has a mastery of the subject every time she answers everybody says that person is extremely reasonable she thinks like I do, or, or they re she's reminding them of somebody that they know as well, somewhere from middle America, mm -hmm. not from the other coasts mm -hmm. uh, in, in the country here. So 
Uh, I wish the right would allow her just to say, Judge Barrett, the floor is yours. Feel free to say whatever you'd like because she sounds so convincing every time she does speak. The problem is you know how good it's going for the Republicans when you see that CNN is breaking away from it all the time. <laughs> I mean, yesterday they barely even covered it. Um, you know, they broke away. Uh, and uh, that's because she's crushing she, it. She's crushing it. Yeah, she is. She's well, uh, Senator Dianne Feinstein, she's she was actually a lot more. I, I felt like a lot more polite and charming in the beginning with her. But she started asking her, do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe versus Wade was wrongly decided? And here is what Amy Coney Barrett had to say. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? So, Senator, I do want to be forthright and answer every question so far as I can. I think on that question, I, you know, I'm going to invoke Justice Kagan's description, which I think is um, perfectly put. When she was in her confirmation hearing, she said that she was not going to grade precedent or give it a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I think in an area where precedent continues to be pressed and litigated, as is true of Casey, it would be particularly, um, it would actually be wrong and a violation of the canons for me to do that as a sitting judge. Um, so if, if I express a view on a precedent one way or another, whether I say I love it or I hate it, it signals to litigants that I might tilt one way or another in a pending case. So on something that is really a major cause with major effect on over half of the population of this country who are women, after all. Mm. It's, it's distressing not to get a straight answer. So let me try again. Do you agree with Justice Scalia's view that Roe was wrongly decided? <clears throat> she just answered that. Senator, I completely understand why you are asking the question, but again, I can't pre-commit or say, yes, I'm going in with some agenda, because I'm not. I don't have any agenda. I have no agenda to try to overrule Casey. Um, I have an agenda to stick to the rule of law and decide cases as they come. So this is one of the things that I feel like people have really pounced on. Feminists especially have been attacking Barrett for her faith, for having a large family, even for having adopted children. Um, the Daily Wire noted that a feminist author, Lauren Huff, tweeted on Monday of Barrett saying, it's very weird, it's a weird thing to watch these old creeps congratulate a handmaid on her clown car vagina. Oh my gosh. What a horrible, what a horrible thing to say. But this is really all people have been able to try and, and hammer away at her on is feminists saying, you know, why are you congratulating her on, you know, a woman that happens to have all of these children and is she even spending enough time with her family? They've really been trying to go after that. And they even criticized her wardrobe choices yesterday, for Pete's sake. I mean, that, that wasn't professional enough dress. It was too casual for her to be wearing a dress and not a, a suit or whatever it is that she, they preferred her to be wearing. Look, there's an old saying in the law that if your case is strong in the law, you pound the law. If it's strong in the facts, you pound the facts. If it's strong in neither, you just pound the table. And mm -hmm. the left is just simply pounding the table. They've got nothing left. They know that it's not going to stick if they go against her on her credentials because they're unassailable. 16 years as a constitutional scholar at one of the nation's top law schools, she graduated top of her class. She interned for two of the greatest conservative judges and justices in the, in the nation, Judge it's, Silverman and Scalia. And some of her fans are lefties. Some of the, some of the people who say, I don't agree with anything she says as far as, the, uh, as her decisions, but she is so well read and she th her thinking is clear and straight. I mean, I don't remember who wrote that he was a, 
He was a clerk for, I can't remember which yeah, I can't justice. remember either, but it was what I loved about, I think it was the same one, if I'm not mistaken, or her, one of her professors said, she's the brightest student I've ever had. And she, he said, I want to underscore this. She's not a bright student. She's not one of the bright students. She is the brightest student I've ever had yeah. in the some odd years of teaching at, at whatever school it was. The other guy who was clerking, and I can't remember, for another judge, um, at the same time, he said... I would always go to her to understand the law, he said. But when I wanted uh, the opinion of what the law could be and, and um, you know, kind of massage things, he said, I would go to this other person. And that way I, I could have the balance of the two. That's one of the best endorsements I've ever heard. If I wanted to know what the law actually said and meant... I went to her. Go to her. Well, Feinstein uh, continued to ask her questions, and she gave a great response about, you know, if she gave off-the-cuff answers. Let's listen to that. If I give off-the-cuff answers, then I would be basically a legal pundit. And mm. I don't think we want judges to be legal pundits. I think we want judges to approach cases thoughtfully and with an open mind. I think that was incredibly well said. She also had a really, really great statement. I want to play this on applying the law. Um, when I wrote, and uh, this was as a law professor, about those decisions, I did critique the statutory interpretation of the majority opinions. And as I mentioned before, my description of them was consistent with the way that Chief Justice Roberts described the statutory question. But I think that your concern is that because I critiqued the statutory reasoning that I'm hostile to the ACA, and that because I'm hostile to the ACA, that I would decide a case a particular way. And I assure you that I am not. I'm not hostile to the ACA. I'm not hostile to any statute that you pass. And the cases on which I commented, and, and we can talk at another time, I guess, about the context, the distinctions between academic writing and judicial decision making, but those were on entirely different issues. So to assume that because I critiqued the interpretation of the mandate or the phrase established by a state means that on the entirely different legal question of severability, mm. I would reach a particular result just assumes that I'm hostile. And that's not the case. I apply the law. I follow the law. You make the policy. So here's what the left truly doesn't understand because they don't do it this way. But const not Republicans constitutional conservatives want that as a judge. I have no idea how she'll rule. She may rule against me on something. She may rule in you know, my favor on some things. But I, I really don't have to guess um, because, like John Roberts, you're rolling the dice. He, he's not going by the Constitution. He's going by some other principle that I don't know what it is. Is he trying to save the court from looking bad? But a judge does not say, I'm interpreting what you said, wink, wink, nod, nod, as this. And when they testified in front of him, that's not what they meant. That's someone who is a political operative. Mm -hmm. I don't want a political operative. I want someone who just reads the Constitution and interprets it, because I guarantee you it's not always going to come out in conservatives' favor. 
It's not always going to come out in the favor of of the liberals. It's going to come out as the Constitution states it. And, you know, they were making fun on CNN that, oh, she's you know, this is this conservative idea that you read the words and you find out what they meant. And then if it doesn't match, quote, you send it back to Congress and let them change the law to fit the Constitution. How is that a crazy idea? As if that's a bad thing. Right, and how is that a bad idea? There's a great example of this, as a matter of fact, with Justice Scalia, of all people. Justice Scalia wrote one of the worst decisions that the Supreme Court has ever issued, and it's called Employment Division versus Smith. It it, it upended a a long series of laws, or or jurisprudence anyway, about how we interpret religious liberty matters and free speech issues with that as well. What resulted from that was that going back to Congress, Congress passing something called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in response to that, saying, Mm -hmm. no, this is the test we're going to apply here when someone's religious beliefs or free exercise has been substantially burdened. That's now the law of the land because it passed Congress almost unanimously. Bill Clinton signed into law. It resulted in later on the Arlupa religious land use uh, law as well, all because Justice Scalia said, you know what, I have a different way of looking at this. I disagree with his decision on that necessarily, but it punted it back to Congress. Congress fixed things. What's impressed me about Judge Barrett through this entire hearing has been her insistence upon judicial independence and her respect, her absolute respect for the three separate and different branches of our government. They have different roles. They have different functions. And she knows what the Article 3 function actually is, which is to say we say what the law is, not what we want it to be. She didn't she didn't just work for Justice Scalia. She learned from him as well. It is it is critical that we understand, this is what Ben Sass was trying to say yesterday, we understand what each branch does. One represents the people, and the other half of that is supposed to represent the states. So you have the people, you have the states, they make laws. They're the ones that spend the money. All that the Supreme Court is supposed to do is say, you can't do that. You can't do that. Go back and work on it and do it another way. You can't do it that way. And the president's responsibility is to veto something if he feels it's unconstitutional. If it's wrong, then he can veto something. Mm -hmm. What we have right now is a legislative body that wants to do things that are absolutely unconstitutional. And so they'll pass it. And then they're counting on the Supreme Court to say, yeah, well, that's not what the Constitution says, but it's right, because that's where America is. No, we have such a flipped understanding of this system. Everybody's like, they never get anything done. That's the point. Mm-hmm. When they're taking the, the speed bumps out and saying, we're going to get rid of the 60-vote majority, we're going to get rid of the filibuster. Oh, and by the way, we're just gonna we're just gonna get rid of the uh, uh, the electoral college, and if you won't let us do it, we'll pack the court. No, no, all of these things are meant to slow people down because our founders knew emotions can run high, and you want to slow that down because what we have is really good. Don't do anything in haste. The system works when it appears that it's not working. Right. Well, you talk about emotions running high. Uh, I think that's going to happen for a lot of people when we talk about next uh, what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has had to say. And it involves 
Jesus Christ. Come so, on. yeah. So we're going to talk about that next block. we got to go to break first. So we have that to come. But first, we want to thank our sponsor, Home Title Lock. I got a crash course into home title lock theft and you better pray this crime never happens to you because it can ruin you financially. I hear you and Sue talk about so this all the time. I, uh, the, the FBI came and showed me what this was and they, they, they took the title. They showed me that this is all we needed to do to steal your title. If we would put this in to the courthouse, we'd have your home. And I said, how did you do that? I spent, I can't tell you how much money on lawyers burying all of that and putting it in a trust so nobody could they, he said Maybe, everything yeah. you did made it easier hmm. i mean that's crazy that is crazy that's crazy <sighs> okay so you're not protected by insurance your bank or common identity theft programs home title lock will protect you though home title lock puts a barrier around your home's title and the instant that they detect the tampering they help shut it down so go to hometitlelock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim and then use code radio for 30 free days of protection that's code radio at hometitlelock.com we'll be back in a minute Well, we haven't heard the last from AOC. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York, she made a bizarre accusation against Republicans during the first day of confirmation hearings for Amy Coney Barrett. Um, here's what she said in a tweet. Sick and tired of Republicans who co-opt faith as an excuse to advance bigotry and barbarism. <laughs> Fact is, if today Christ himself came to the floor of Congress and repeated his teachings, many would malign him as a radical and eject him from the chamber. You know what? Probably so. But I think all of them would, because Christ was, would not be talking about the things that they're talking about. He came to turn tables over. <laughs> uh, and first of all, he wouldn't go to Congress. He wouldn't be involved in any of that. He wasn't involved the first time around. <laughs> Let them do what they're going to do. So he wouldn't even approach Washington, D.C. Um, but the, the idea to co-op faith as an excuse to advance bigotry and barbarism where? Who? Yeah, I think some of her comments were in relationship to the use of invoking religious liberty as if it's always invoked in her mind as a negative thing to, to excuse bigotry and harassment. That sort of thing. What if we just lived through the last seven or eight months? Have we just missed that entirely? Just this week, as a matter of fact, Andrew Cuomo started to find synagogues and churches in New York that dared to defy him and begin meeting again. Last week, First Liberty worked on a case in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. just a few blocks away from the Supreme Court, as a matter of fact, where a church has been meeting since June outside in a field in Virginia, 27 miles away, because the city of, of uh, Washington, D.C. will not allow them to do the same thing in the, in the city of, of D.C., even though Mayor Bowser is standing at the corners of 15th and H, I think, uh, pictured in the middle of a huge crowd of, of protesters talking about how great that is. And, and look, she's got the right to do that. I don't contest that. But why can't we treat folks equally and fairly like this? I, I've never seen... I mean, this is the time I've been talking about since... 2006 or seven, that you're not going to recognize your country anymore. Um, and you will see in our lifetime real religious persecution. The time of the easy Christian lifestyle is way over. And if Donald Trump doesn't win, uh, and I think these guys, uh, the radicals get control, uh, you are going to see, I mean, explain to me how uh, Cuomo can get away with using 
10 plus year old pictures of Jews gathering for a funeral. This just happened. No, it happened like 2006. And, and everybody knew what that was. I mean, if you were in the religious, you know, the Jewish community, you knew what that funeral was. How we have come to a place to where you can open up a casino, you can open up other things, but you can't open up a church. Right. What, what, Flights what are do packed, we have? but we can't go to church. Well, I don't think anybody's surprised by this either. Uh, AOC went on to retweet um, another attack on religious conservatives from her colleague, Representative Elon Omar. And she said, Jeez. let's be clear about this. If a Muslim woman was nominated to SCOTUS, you would see Republicans lose their mind about her religious background, Omar said. She tweeted, Sharia law would be trending right now. Miss me with the pearl clutching and all this righteous talk about religious freedom. If she were nominated, yes, Sharia law would be trending. And I would be speaking out against it because I don't believe that she doesn't really embrace some of the more radical thinking. I believe she's not a Muslim. I believe she is either borderline headed towards or is an Islamist. That's a huge difference. I have no problem with a Muslim being on the Supreme Court. I have a real problem with an Islamist on the Supreme Court. Right. Well, so let's talk about Joe Biden a little bit. Um, He's been under all this pressure to say if he's a fan or not a fan of court packing. So he did say, hey, I'm not a fan of it, but he didn't go further about whether or not he plans to do it if he is elected. Let's take a listen. The Supreme Court, obviously, top of mind for voters, especially today. Uh, you have made it very clear you don't want to talk about uh, packing the court until after Election Day. But what about for undecided voters who want to know your position on possibly expanding the court before they cast their ballot? Well, look, what, before they ca- what I want them to focus on, wow. is I respectfully suggest, is what the packing, court packing is going on now, never before, when an election has already begun and millions of votes already cast, Not true. has it ever been that a Supreme Court nominee was put forward? Had never happened before. And one of the reasons is the Constitution implies that the only shot the American people get to determine who will be on a lifetime appointment on the Supreme Court or federal courts is when they pick their senator and their president. Mm-hmm. Because the president names and the Senate advises and consents. Mm-hmm. That's the focus. I've already spoken on, I, I'm not a fan of pack, uh, court packing, but I'm not, I don't want to get off on that whole issue. I want to keep focused. They'd no, the president would love nothing better than to fight about whether or not I would in fact pack the court or not pack the court, et cetera. The focus is why is he doing what he's doing now? First of all, notice how clever this uh, argument is. It's never happened before. First of all, it's happened 26 or 27 times. However, what he said was never before in history has it happened where a judge was introduced and was sitting for a confirmation while an election and people were voting. Well, what just happened to us? We don't vote We've never voted like we're voting now. This is a new thing because of COVID. We don't vote this way. One state, I believe, Washington had this. And that's a relatively new thing of 10 years. So technically, he's accurate. Then he gets into what the Constitution implies. Well, the Constitution also says the president is elected for a four-year period. Not three, four 
So I don't care if he does it before the election, after the election, on his last day. Four years. He's entitled to do it. As Justice Ginsburg herself pointed out, that the president's power lasts the entire four years, not three and a half, not three and three quarters. All four years they last. And he has the right and the privilege to be able to nominate those nominees that need to be made when the circumstances dictate. And that's what has happened here. And let's go back to 1956 when Dwight D. Eisenhower himself appointed in a recess appointment Bill Brennan to the Supreme Court of the United States. He appointed that through recess appointment. That was only confirmed in 1957. He served until 1990 as one of the most liberal lions of the Supreme Court of the United States. So don't give me this if this hasn't happened before. Perhaps President Trump should just simply call them out of recess, appoint just Judge Barrett into the position, and let's move on. But beyond all that, I mean, there's so much to unpack with this this uh, this video. The fact that the American people don't deserve a response to that, they do deserve a response to that. And we know what his response actually is. But regardless, let me help you out, Vice President Biden. First Liberty Institute ran a poll last week. We asked the question about packing the court in that poll. And an overwhelming majority of Americans said, absolutely not, don't do that. And more important than that, 54, I think, percent of independent voters said this is a really, really bad idea. And I think if you combine that with the Republicans, it was an, it just an overwhelming number of people. There's only like 35 percent of Democrats that even wanted that to happen anyway. It's a bad plan. Don't do this, especially amongst the independents. This is not a very popular idea. I've never seen a time in American history where somebody is so disliked, like Donald Trump. People just, just they, they either love him or they hate him. And it's not based on his, it's based all on his personality, okay? I've never seen a time where one party is so out of touch and, and campaigning on things that are absolutely not American. Um, and, and the vast majority does not like, they like law and order. They don't like violence in the streets. They don't like looting. They don't like somebody just changing the constitution. They don't want to end the filibuster. They, all of these things. And there's a real shot that there's enough people that will just say, I don't know. I don't like him. And they will give it to a guy who we all know is not the picture of health. And I'd be shocked if he lasted the four years, okay? Because we like him. And yet his vice president is one of the most unlikable people out there. She's more likable than Donald Trump, I guess. What are we doing? Right. We don't have to have dinner with the president. Right. We don't have to have that. But if you still think he's likable, go back and read Justice Thomas's book, My Grandfather's Son, and read the chapter in that book about his confirmation process and what Joe Biden did during that process. You will come out with a completely different perspective of then-Senator Joe Biden. The news that has come out in the last 10 days about the collusion with the Obama administration, Obama himself, the Hillary campaign, the FBI. Now we think the CIA, that chief of the CIA was involved in this whole Russia scandal. If we don't, if the president of the United States uh, becomes these people, you, you, you are putting criminals in charge. I mean, they're, they're, it's just, it's remarkable. Right. It's remarkable. We need... Wisdom in office, not charm, right? We need wisdom. All right, we got to go to break. We've got more to come. But first, we want to thank our sponsor. Our sponsor is Rough Greens. And, you know, you talk about Rough Greens all the time, Glenn. You said your dog is just completely different after completely taking different. it. That's amazing. I, it's honestly like he, Tanya and I were talking about it the other day. It's like he was sick and we didn't know it. You know, he was just lethargic and just we thought he was just getting older and stuff. 
But I think now that six months into it, I think he was actually in some way or another sick. And the probiotics and everything that's in this has... I mean, it's totally, he is a different dog. It's amazing. You can tell the differences in their energy level and how happy they seem. Happy, happy, happy. So if you don't know Rough Greens, it isn't a dog food. Rather, it's a supplement that you put on your dog's food. And it contains all those nutrients that your dog needs, but which get cooked out of all the kibble food when it's being made. It's all of the probiotics and the antioxidants and the vitamins and the minerals and the omega oils. Those are just some of the things that your dog needs to lead a healthier lifestyle. And they're all the things that are in Rough Greens. So get the Rough Greens Jumpstart Bag. You can get it today for just $14.95 and start that process of getting your dog healthier and happier. And if you want to see your dog thrive again, just go to roughgreens.com slash blaze. That's R-U-F-F-Greens.com slash blaze. We'll be back in a minute. Early voting has started, and I actually went today and didn't have to wait any time at all, which was very nice, but that is not the case in Georgia, unfortunately. Voter, voter suppression. I'm telling you, voter <laughs> suppression. Well, apparently some voters, they had to wait six hours or more to cast wow. their ballot. Um, it's reported that eager voters waited six hours or more in Cobb County, which was once solidly Republican, but has voted for Democrats in recent elections. And the lines wrapped around polling places in solidly Democratic DeKalb County. They also turned out in really big numbers in North Georgia's Floyd County, where support for President Donald Trump is strong. But yeah, some people are saying this is voter suppression that these long lines are going to convince people to stay home, to not vote, to mail in a vote. What if do you, you think? Can't, if you can't see the clear choice and you don't know what side you're on, okay, you shouldn't be voting. If, if you are not willing to, I, I don't know about anybody else, I am willing to walk through a lake of COVID to cast my vote. I mean, nothing's going to stop me from casting my vote. Um, and I, I don't understand. I mean, I think this is a good sign. Long lines is a good sign that people care about the com country and want to make a difference. Jeremy, do you think this will discourage people? I, I tend to agree with you, Glenn. I mean, people want to vote. That's always a good sign, regardless of the outcome. Now, I want the outcome to be the right outcome, of course, but people are actually up there voting. It says a lot about the health of our democracy or our democracy within the republic, of course, but yeah, look, people got to get out and vote. There's just no that that's like the base level entry level thing you do as a citizen. You vote. And if you don't want to vote, don't complain about what you get on the other end. Of right. Things. Absolutely. Well, OK, so there's someone else besides the people on the ballot that want you to vote for them. And that is Mr. Kanye West. We have not heard the last from him. He's actually dropped his first campaign ad just a couple weeks before the election. And here it is. America. What is America's destiny? What is best for our nation, our people? What is just, true justice? We have to think about all these things together as a people. To contemplate our future, to live up to our dream, we must have vision. We as a people will revive our nation's commitment to faith, to what our constitution calls the free exercise of religion, including, of course, prayer. Through prayer, faith can be restored. We as a people, are called to a greater purpose than ourselves. We are not only a beacon to the world, but we should be servants to each other, to encourage each other, to help each other, to lift up each other, our fellow Americans, that we may all prosper together. We have to act on faith with the sure knowledge that we are pursuing the right goals and doing the right things. We will build a stronger country by building stronger families. Families are the building blocks of society of a nation. 
By turning to faith, we will be the kind of nation, the kind of people God intends us to be. I am Kanye West, and I approve this message. So is right in Kanye West. That, I don't understand what he's doing. He I wants you to, to write his name. And he did, though, this summer, he did an interview with Forbes over the summer. And he said, Trump is the closest president we've had in years to allowing God to still be part of the conversation. So he has been supportive. He also said that he expressed comfort with the idea of doing damage to Joe Biden's it's White House It's not going to do damage to Joe Biden. That message won't do damage to Joe Biden. That, that message, he's so clearly aligned now with Trump. That uh, that message, I think, will hurt. It pulls away voters. It would naturally go to Trump for yeah, sure. Yeah. I will say, though, I mean, that that's a very compelling ad. I mean, it is. I wish the Republican Party would come up with more ads like that or <laughs> some conservatives would actually believe what Kanye mm-hmm. is saying on things. That's a, a genuine. That was the the agenda for well, most of my growing up years of the Republican Party. Uh, we don't see it nearly as well stated anymore. We got to go to Kanye now. Oh, they run Kanye? from they run from the God message now. Not only the God message, but then the family message mm-hmm. and all the, the even speaking of justice. That's a very compelling message and one that uh, you know maybe it's not the Kanye's year this year, but maybe twenty twenty four. Who knows? Well, because it is such a compelling message. Do you think people will write in his name on ballots? No, not at any real number. He'll get votes, but it's not going to pull. It's not Ross Perot level uh, votes that are going to be receiving here. Not (laughs) even the guy that was in jail and then qualified for the ballot in a couple states. No, not even that. Did anyone know that he was still running for president? He started off with like a a bang saying, I'm going to run, I'm going to run. And then all of a sudden there were crickets and he kind of had some mental health snafus. And then we didn't hear anything for a while. Then here it is just a couple of weeks before the election. And he puts out this ad. I'd, I'd forgotten about it myself, right. so I don't know <laughs> where it's at. Wondering, I'm not really following Kanye's uh, that surprises election. Me. Yeah, okay. no, I know, I know. <laughs> All right, so I, although I will say this, I believe he's sincere. Yeah. And I, I didn't know if he was sincere when he first started. I believe he is sincere. There really has been a big change in him. That's yeah, there a has been. Very noticeable change. All right, so we don't have a ton of time to talk about it, but the Netflix CEO defends the film Cuties after a grand jury indictment uh, from here in Texas, and he said it's surprising that we're censoring storytelling. He says ah. it's a film that's very misunderstood with some audiences, uniquely within the United States. I mean, again, a Netflix spokesperson argued that it, it's not sexualizing children they're trying to combat it no what do you, i would love to know what your take is on look this if story. you if you're defending that you're losing already right i mean you, you have you, this is a bad position to be in look i'm one of the however many millions of people who have dropped their subscription i've been a 20 some odd year member of netflix or received in some various form a membership in netflix for years that was it i've got four boys i'm not letting them stumble across that on on my netflix account no way not when there's many, many, many better options that are out there anyway. And frankly, if they all do the same thing, that's fine. I'll read a book instead. This is indefensible. And the fact that they continue to defend it says a tremendous amount about where their character lies. And, and they ought not to be there. You know, the, who is it in South Carolina that was just caught cheating on his wife? And it shows now the polls show Cal that... Cal Cunningham. Is that Cal Cunningham uh, shows the polls that he's actually up because of that. And same with Netflix. I mean, we are at the position foretold where good has made, been made evil and evil is good. And if, if the people knowingly choose evil, 
Right. We're done. In that regard, I think I'm with AOC. I'm, I'm eager to see Christ return and go right into Congress because that signals <laughs> the best end that we could possibly have right now. You know, because I, I actually really kind of believe that we may see him, you know, in the next 10 years or so. I'm kind of there. Yeah. And it's actually... It's giving kind of me a, a lot of hope. Thought, isn't it, it? Is. Yeah. It's like, well, at least there's an end to this madness. <laughs> made 2020 all worth it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah, right. It's been a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, we have to go to break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about uh, take the deal. Democrats are urging Pelosi to take the White House COVID deal. We'll talk about that in just a minute. Just last break coming up. Um, deep walking and just questions. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi, she has refused a $1.8 trillion White House compromise deal on coronavirus relief almost immediately upon being offered it. Uh, but some prominent Democrats, they're firing back saying, Nancy, take the deal. Even Andrew Yang, uh, he, he mm. tweeted her, put politics aside. People are hurting. Nancy Pelosi, take this deal. And even progressive representative Ro Khanna, who typically falls further left than even Pelosi, uh, said, take the deal because this will make Joe Biden's transition to power much easier in November. Mm. What do you guys think? Should she just take the deal? And if she does, when do you think stimulus checks will be going out? Because people, I mean, if you look in Google, it's like one of the top Google searches every day because people are wanting to know when will we, we be getting another stimulus check. So I hate the whole stimulus thing. Um, the government, I can't, you're an attorney, so you'd be better at this. But I can't believe if my business was put out of business by the federal government telling me I had to do these things and I couldn't open my doors and I've had that business forever and it was successful, I'd be suing the federal government. I'd be suing the state government. You put me out of business. I could have opened up safely, but you took a successful business and destroyed it. I personally think people should litigate, um, but I don't even know if that well, that's why chance. we have been litigating, as a matter of fact, but not on business's behalf. We've been litigating on the behalf of the First Amendment in churches and right. synagogues and things like that. Why? Because freedom matters. If they can tell you you can't engage in your First Amendment freedoms, even during the middle of a pandemic, we're creating an exception to the Constitution that does not exist. But don't you don't you think isn't there something where if the government tells you to do something, and it hurts you, or they are taking something yeah. away from you, they have to yeah, give so, you fair compensation. Right. And so this is kind of my point, though, right? Because the First Amendment is the first amendment. It's the number one for right. a reason. If you can erode that one, they all topple thereafter yeah. as well. And so that's why we're, it's, that's why I've been bothered by those that have pushed back against the notion of churches going to you know, depress their, their rights within court or whatever it might be. If they can get away with something, mm -hmm. getting rid of anything that competes with their own authority, the left will do so. They will always fill that vacuum with what? More power. More power that they will arrogate unto themselves. And so we've seen that routinely. Gavin Newsom, just a couple weeks ago, right around the high holidays of the Jewish calendar, in California, the L.A. County health officials said you can't even have religious meals together in your own home with oh family my members. Right? So they're saying now you can't even meet with family members. They can direct your freedom that much that they say you can't get together and have Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur holiday meals together. These aren't just like holiday meals, like in the secular sense of Columbus Day or we're not supposed to use that term, whatever. Fourth of July, uh, they're religious 
I have to do this to be compliant with God kind of meals. And they're saying you can't, that is a restriction on freedom. Is it any wonder then, if they're willing to say you can't compete with us and our authority by worshiping God freely, that they would say you can't open up your business? Look, if you can open up and keep the free exercise of religion going and keep those First Amendment freedoms flowing within this country, all the rest of the freedoms rest upon that foundation. I don't like going back to the stimulus thing. I don't like called, it's called a stimulus. It's reparations. That's what that is. You told us we couldn't do what we do that made money. You owe us money. Don't, I can't go out and get a job, so pony up, Uncle Sam. And don't make it look like a gift. It's not a gift. Mm -hmm. You're not some benevolent. You put me in this situation. It's really just giving me back the money I gave you. I mean, this is mine to begin with, and you're just giving it back to me and calling it a political prize. Well, um, something that was interesting about this, the $1.8 trillion bill, it doesn't include a bailout for the United States Postal Service. That's something that the Democrats have been insisting on. But, I mean, it is pretty close to the amount that they wanted to, to bail out American industries. So... Uh, it's uh, $400 billion less than the White House's version. So Pelosi said this is a step back. I don't want to do it, but people are starting to really lose patience with her on that. Good. All right, so let's talk about, this is a sad story. I'm sorry to end on a sad story, mm. but nursing home residents, they mm. they staged their own protest outside of a, a assisted care facility, a nursing home, saying they would rather die from COVID than loneliness. This is the saddest thing. They just thing. hate people. They just hate people. This has been, this is the problem with this COVID madness. You, you are only taking the virus into consideration. You're not taking suicide. You're not taking loneliness. You're not taking the economic repercussions. You're only treating this as a virus. You, you treat people, not the disease. And they have completely forgotten that. This is a sad story, but I am really glad that they're standing up. I agree. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Look, I, I sit on the board of a large retirement community, and, and this has got a special place in my heart because I've seen this. And I've seen our staff just absolutely love and care for these people in just the most outrageously wonderful ways. FaceTiming with loved ones they haven't seen in eight months. Think about not having to be able to see your spouse right. for eight months. And, you are, and, you, and you're 80. Yeah, exactly. That's and, an and you have And you have a dementia. Right. And you don't remember except that you have things come back to you when your spouse shows up and holds your hand. These are really life issues. The reality is this, that if we are committed to life, and, and you and I, I know, and I think all of us are committed to the life issue, we will care for them from the cradle to the grave, and we mm-hmm. do for these people. Mm-hmm. I, that's why I've been so absolutely annoyed that's not the right word, but it's the most polite word I can come up with right now with Andrew Cuomo. I mean, he mm-hmm. put ma- lit matches back into dynamite factories with, with what he did in New York. So did he Whitmer. killed thousands upon thousands of our most prized citizens. Mm-hmm. That is no way to treat human life. And it's so nice to see that these people are actually doing something about it and fighting back. All right, we're going to end on a high note. We've got to go to break, but we'll be right back. Cuomo's Yesterday, we asked you if you would be watching the Supreme Court confirmation hearing. 55% of you said that you would. I was kind of surprised by that. Today's question, what do you like least about Kamala Harris? Her laugh, her prosecutorial (laughs) record, her policies, or her plans? 
Gentlemen. Is there all of the above? All of the above. <laughs> all of the above. She is the, and I really thought that she would turn out to be very likable mm -hmm. at the very beginning, you know, two years ago. She's the most unlikable person I can imagine. She, everything about her is just condescending. I agree. What do you think? I, I think uh, it's time to go to break. <laughs> <laughs> I will say she does kind of remind me of a principal I had in school that oh. you, you didn't want to get called into her office. So. <laughs> just miserable. Yeah. Just miserable. Well, thanks for being here, guys. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thanks for listening to the News and Why It Matters. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you'd like to watch the program, become a Blaze TV subscriber and start your free trial now at blazetv.com.